This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Pulse podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And this morning we're joined by Craig Earlham in London. Good morning, Craig. Good morning. How are you? Very good. We've seen share prices across the world soar with investors welcoming those cost of living figures in the United States, which saw an increase in CPI at a slower than expected pace. The U.S. Consumer Price Index rising by 7.7% in October. Markets absolutely love these figures. We saw some extraordinary gains from the likes of the Nasdaq and in Hong Kong. Yeah, the markets really love them. They've been waiting for these numbers now for a while. Every time we've had an inflation report come in, it seems that markets have been getting really excited in the days running up to the report itself in the hope that it delivers what they want to hear, which is inflation has peaked and it's starting to fall at a pace that will allow the Fed to ease off the break and allow the terminal rate to not be as high and potentially save the economy from recession at some point next year. But we haven't seen that up until this point. Instead, we've seen inflation that's gone higher than expected uh, and we haven't seen those drop-offs. Now we've finally got an inflation number that not just fell from where it was uh, as the market was expecting, but actually fell at a much greater pace. And that's really good news. That is hopefully a really early sign that the Fed's interest rate hikes are having an impact. Inflationary pressures are easing. And the fact that these inflationary pressures easing was also widespread, I think, was something that really supported that improvement in risk sentiment. So I think the fact that we've seen it fall more than expected in a widespread nature has made people really optimistic and really hopeful that we can avoid a recession in the US next year. I still think that's going to be hard to do because of the scale of rate hikes we've already seen. And we are seeing markets still pricing a few more in December and the early part of next year. But this was such an important first step. And that's why we are seeing such uh, an amazing reaction in these markets. Yeah, amazing reaction. Um, US stocks, their strongest day in more than two and a half years, particularly when it comes to, as I mentioned before, the Nasdaq, which was 7.4% higher. Of course, we've seen some uh, big falls for big tech over the last couple of weeks or so. And in government bond markets, the yield on the two-year Treasury note, which of course is particularly sensitive to interest rate moves, fell as well. Yeah, and even if you look at the dollar, we saw a huge decline in the dollar of more than 2%. The dollar's performed extraordinarily well over the course of this year because of the pace of tightening that we've seen at the Fed, the strength of the US economy and its safe haven appeal. Well, now you've got markets which are not in safe haven mode. Uh, we've got US inflation, which is on the way down. We've got the potential for the Fed to scale back its tightening. All of these is a positive for risk assets and has therefore seen the dollar decline more than 2%. But as, as you say, also seen equity markets soaring yesterday. I do think there's probably a bit of a knee-jerk element to this. I do think the, over, the reactions may be a bit of an overreaction. Let's be honest, we're not out the woods yet we can still see a more negative inflation reading next month uh, this is just one reading the feds repeatedly told the markets that we don't want to get too excited by one reading that it's a collection of data that they want to look at and uh, they want to see two or three months of positive data before that gives them any confidence but markets have had to price in a lot of negativity over the course of this year and tech in particular has had to price in a lot of negativity so when you do finally get this good news story it's quite natural for the reaction to maybe be a bit over the top 
The question is, how are they going to respond now? How are they going to trade now over the course of the next three or four weeks up until that next jobs report, the next inflation report, and ahead to that next Fed meeting? Is it going to maintain this positivity or is some of those nerves maybe going to creep back in? It's going to be really interesting to watch because, like you say, a 7% rise in the NASDAQ is quite phenomenal. It's 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 so rare, more than 5% in the S&P, almost 4% in the Dow Jones. I mean, that's a, that, that's quite a rare reaction, but it was a phenomenal reading. And as far as interest rates are concerned, uh, what are they now banking on in terms of what is going to be peak rate in the United States? So in the US, they think the rates are going to peak in the kind of 475 to 5% region. So that still allows for a few more rate hikes uh, from the US Central Bank. But that could change. I mean, like I say, the central bank recently implied that it thinks that the markets are effectively underestimating the peak rate or the terminal rate. I think if we see another inflation reading that supports what we've just seen, you could see the Fed scale back on that message at the next meeting. But at this point in time, the markets are pricing in 50 basis points in December, another 50 basis points in February. And that is basically it. There is still uh, maybe a 40 to 50% chance of another 25 basis points then in March. But I think if we see some more positive data, especially on the inflation side, then I think you'll see those expectations paired back quite considerably again uh, in terms of the possibility of an extra rate hike in March. You could even see that 50 basis points in February turn into 25 as well. So, I mean, I don't think we can underplay the significance at this point in time of that inflation reading. Yes, it doesn't mean that we're out the woods. It doesn't mean that the inflation problem is now behind us. But it's such a huge first step. And if it can be paired with another inflation, good inflation report next month. And I think that's really important. I think it will give the Fed and it will give investors huge confidence that the US is through the worst of it and the path back to 2% may come perhaps a little bit faster than people have feared at times and that the terminal rate will not be as high. And that's welcome news for everyone ultimately. On this side of the Atlantic, Craig, we're always behind the United States and uh, it appears that the UK is heading into recession after the latest GDP figures out just a few minutes ago, which showed the economy shrank between July and September, contracting by 0.2%. So, of course, if there's another negative quarter next time around, we will be officially in recession. But this was expected, and one wonders also whether that may affect the next interest rate announcement from the Bank of England too. I mean, is anyone going to be surprised that the UK is probably already in recession? No. I think we've been talking about the UK as being in recession or uh, or heading for recession now for a number of months. And this quarterly data just really uh, is that first step towards it. We've seen it from the monthly data up until this point. We're showing that the UK was probably already in recession. Uh, and this quarterly data, this preliminary data has just confirmed it. You then look at the monthly figure uh, that we see for September and that showed a decline of minus 0.6%. Obviously that was uh, a lot to do with the days of day of mourning, the, the passing of the Queen and the impact that the bank holiday had on growth. Uh, but at the same time, I do think it is also a strong reflection of the UK economy at this point in time. It's a reflection of how consumers were feeling, how households were feeling the pinch of uh, the cost of living crisis, which is quite severe at this point. Sure, 
some of the uncertainty around energy bills has since been removed and that will potentially allow the fourth quarter to perform a little bit better because households know that they're not going to get that 80% uh, household energy bill shock. But at the same time, we are seeing cost pressures everywhere else uh, and that's therefore going to keep households on edge. Everyone at this point knows that we're in a recession or heading for a recession and that's going to make people nervous and that's going to affect people's spending plans as well. And finally... Everyone knows that the Bank of England is raising interest rates aggressively and unlike in the US, we are very sensitive to that. In the US, the vast majority of people at this point in time have their mortgages fixed for up to 30 years. That's not the case here in the UK. People have floating rate mortgages. People have two and five year fixed uh, rate mortgages that are due for renewal over the course of the next 12 months, 24 months. And they're going to be hit by a shock of much higher interest rates than they've had to consider for the last 15 years. When you consider all of these factors, the cost of living crisis is not going anywhere anytime soon. And that's why you look at this third quarter data and you can see, yes, because of X, Y and Z, this is slightly worse than expected. But things are not going to get any easier going forward. And therefore, I do think we are already in recession. That's not going to come as a surprise. And on top of that, now we've also got massive government spending cuts and tax hikes to come because there's a, a fiscal black hole that needs to be filled. And that we're going to get the details of that next week. So the pressures are not getting any easier and while a lot of that may not fall on households it's still going to have an economic impact and therefore there is a strong chance that the UK is going to be in recession for a while yet and uh, the Bank of England alluded to that effectively at the last meeting suggesting the UK could be in a recession for two years although it, there was a lot of information that it didn't have to hand when it had to make those forecasts. Okay let's uh, switch to the turmoil currently in the cryptocurrency markets and that's mainly down uh, to this crypto FTX, which according to the Financial Times, which is reporting that FTX assets have been frozen by the Bahamas regulator as crypto exchange fights to survive. That is the headline in the Financial Times at the moment. Let's have your take on this, Craig. Well, there's just considerable uncertainty now because it's not just a case of what exposure do other uh, crypto funds or crypto exchanges, etc., have to FTX uh, and the FTT token? It's also uh, a case of what other businesses are vulnerable to that and then what the ripple effects to other businesses uh, and so on and so forth. We've obviously seen, for example, uh, crypto lender BlockFi have now uh, blocked withdrawals, citing a lack of clarity in relation to FTX. You do start to wonder what's going to come next. But I think the broader concern goes well beyond FTX, I think, at this point in time. There's a famous saying uh, from Warren Buffett, and that's when the tide goes out, then everyone gets to see who's swimming naked. And it feels like the last 12 months, the tide has been going out. And now we've seen in that time a few occasions where we've found naked swimmers. And uh, it seems that FTX is the latest of those. And the concern is that there's going to be more. And that, 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 I think that's one of the fear, That's one of the big fears uh, in the crypto space right now. That's one of the reasons why even cryptocurrencies, which seemingly have little exposure to FTX, and there are those that do have uh, direct exposure, the obvious one being FTT, but also uh, Solana. Uh, but they, the reason why other cryptocurrencies have fallen, I think, is because of that huge uncertainty, both in relation directly to FTX and the ripple effects that it has. Um, on the broader crypto industry and the potential negative implications for uh, those tokens as well. But also, like I say, the, the concern 
that there's going to be other cases like this which could have a real negative impact not just on the coins themselves but also confidence in the space uh, the willingness of investors to continue to invest in cryptos when there's still so much uncertainty institutional money uh, whether that will be deterred by the volatility and the lack of clarity and the lack of certainty that we're seeing the concern now about regulation which has been a constant talking point now for a number of years all of these different factors are contributing to that so even when we're seeing a massive risk rebound in uh, the broader markets we're still seeing bitcoin for example down two and a half percent on the day and below seventeen and a half thousand uh, where it had settled above for the vast majority uh, of this year barring the last couple of trading days when it fell below sixteen thousand dollars at one point and it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if it remains under pressure at least in the near term until some of that uncertainty passes craig thanks very much for joining us this morning we'll speak to you again soon thank you this is the oanda podcast <laughs>